Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Leticia Niago, the Vice President of Learning for the Metro DC chapter of the Association for Talent Development. And I'm Stephanie Hubka, the 2021 Vice President of Finance. I'm Christina Eanes, the 2021 Director of Virtual Programs for the Metro DC chapter of the Association for Talent Development. And we also have Helena Hodges. Helena is our Director of Technology and Operations, and she serves as our producer. And so for this episode, we are interviewing an acclaimed public speaker, organizational consultant, corporate trainer, the president of CareerStone Group, and the author of the best-selling Managing Up, How to Move Up, Win at Work, and Succeed, with any type of boss, Mary Abijay. Welcome, Mary. Thank you so much. I You make me sound so important and so fabulous. I think I'm going to just hang out with you ladies all day. Thank you for inviting me uh, onto the podcast, and thank you for that lovely introduction. I am so excited to speak with you guys today. So are we. Before we jump into our topic of managing up, please share a little bit about yourself with our listeners. Well, uh, my name is Mary Abijay, that much you know. Uh, I live in Washington, D.C., and I've lived here about 30 years, so I kind of think I should be a native at this point, although I am originally a Buckeye. I'm a Gemini. I am married. I have a little baby doggy, and uh, yeah, I love my work. I'm really passionate about creating productive and positive workplaces for people because, hey, we spend most of our waking hours at work, so my whole mission in life is to help people make those the best best hours of their day, not the worst hours. Oh my goodness. Aren't we glad to speak to you today? So (laughs) let's tap into your expertise for our listeners. Mary, can you tell us what does managing up mean and why is it so important? Oh, oh, great question. So managing up means managing workplace relationships, the most important workplace relationships, which is that is the, the ones that we have with our bosses and the people above us in the food chain. Managing up is not about being a sycophant. It's not about being a suck up or kissing someone's butt or being a patsy. <laughs> it's really about taking uh, the opportunity to consciously uh, develop a productive and positive working relationship with your boss so that you can succeed, they can succeed, and the organization can succeed. And it's important because whether we like it or not, our bosses actually have a lot of influence over our career trajectory. They have a lot of influence over the types of projects we work on, a lot of influence over the teams we're a part of, a lot of influence over our visibility in our organization and in our industry. When we have good relationships with these people, good things will come our way. When we don't have good relationships, opportunities may pass us by. And since, sadly, we cannot control who our bosses are or how they operate, the only thing that we have power over is how we want to engage in the relationship with them. Because in a relationship, we all have choice. So managing up is really about being strategic, thoughtful, and choiceful in how you're going to develop a robust working relationship with someone who has a lot of influence over your career success. Wow, what a great perspective. In general, what would you say 
the role of self-awareness is in developing meaningful, lasting connections, managing up, and really building a successful career. Oh my goodness. It's everything. I often say you have to manage yourself first and then you manage your relationships. <laughs> so being self-aware is really where we should start on any of our career development journey, because we need to be really clear about who we are, what's important to us, what our preferences are, what our priorities are, what our pet peeves are, our strengths, our weaknesses. Because what happens is when we are engaging with other people or interacting with other people, we often expect other people to interact with us the way that we want to interact, right? We all kind of fall prey to like the golden rule. Let's treat others as we, you know, as we want to be treated. But in the workplace, people are really diverse. People are very complex. So I really encourage people to adopt what we call the platinum rule, which is in, interact, engage with others as they want to engage. So this means really taking a good look at who you are, what works for you, what doesn't, and then uh, taking that awareness to the other. What's going to work for them? And what can you do a little more of, a little less of, a little differently in order to build that relationship? The other thing what happens when we are dealing with bosses is we get caught up in that boss should, or that boss needs to, or they should be doing this. And the truth is we want people people to treat us the way that we want to be treated. So we need to have that self-awareness that, you know what, Stephanie might be a great boss for you, Letitia, but she's not a great boss for me. And here's why, and here's what I need and what can I do differently to get what I need from Stephanie. So it really all starts with self-awareness. That is so interesting. Now, the name of your book is Managing Up, How to Move Up, Win at Work, and Succeed with Any Type of Boss. Should we use the same approach with different bosses? And you kind of touched on that a little bit, but is there a sort of formula or are there certain specific factors that we ought to consider? Yeah. So that's a great question. So the formula is the same, if you will, but how you apply that formula is going to be different. So the formula is actually really simple, but it's not necessarily easy. So basically what you're going to do when you're trying to uh, build that positive relationship with your boss is you're going to take a good look at who your boss really is. That's step one. Not who they should be, not who you want them to be, not who you wish they were, but who are they? How do they operate? What are their priorities? What are their preferences, their strengths, their weaknesses? You know, how do they show up in the workplace? And I don't want you to judge the other person. Uh, by the way, this works with colleagues as well and spouses. Uh, I want you just to pay attention to who they really are without judging them. Then you're going to take a good look at yourself. This is where your self-awareness is going to be really important. How do you operate? Uh, what are your preferences, your priorities, your pet peeves? What's it like to work with you? And then you're going to assess the gap. And in that gap, you're going to look for ways in which you and your boss are aligned and ways in which you are not. And then you are going to choose some strategies that you can use because we can't change the other, that you can help close that gap. And these are going to be little things that you could do more of, less of, or differently to work better with that boss. And there's lots of areas to look at, right? There's communication, there's work style, there's are you a task person or relationship person? There's different goals and priorities. So there's a lot of things that you can look at. Like for example, if you use person personality uh, profiles like the Myers-Briggs or the DISC or the colors. These can be good windows for you to get a sense of who you are, who the other is, and what's the gap in between. And in that gap, you're going to have lots of different strategies depending on what the gap is you're trying to close. 
Wow, this is incredibly interesting. In your book, you mentioned something that I think I've heard before, which is the number one reason people leave their jobs is because of their boss. What would you say are some strategies that our listeners can follow to build and maintain a healthy and productive working relationship with their boss and really with leadership in general? Yeah. So it's really about, as I said before, it's really about the platinum rule. So if you have, I get the question I get asked all the time is, you know, well, what if I have multiple bosses? And my answer is, well, then you're going to have to manage up to multiple people, right? Because Hmm. bosses, having that relationship really matters and people are different. So the more that we can really try to figure out how we can be adaptive to other people, how we can build relationships with all kinds of people, the more successful we are going to be in our career careers, right? Because we don't work alone. We don't work in silos. The workplace is a social system. So I really encourage people to take a good look at who their boss or their colleagues are, really figure out what they can do more of less of or differently. For example, if you have a boss, say, that is an introvert, right? And that can be very challenging if you're an extrovert. An introvert isn't going to be reaching out a lot. They're going to be hard to reach. So instead of complaining about your introverted boss, I want you to be proactive active, which means you're going to be the one that gets on their calendar. You're going to be the one that is proactive about meeting with them. And when you do meet with them, you're going to actually tell them ahead of time what it is you want to talk about. You're going to find little little techniques to help bring that build that relationship and bring them closer to you. You're not going to be popping in on your introverted boss because people, they hate that, right? You're going to find, you're not going to just drown them with a sex, excessive chit chat. You're going to find out what their platinum rule is. And you're going to see what you can do a little more of, a little less of, a little differently to really align yourself with their style. Wow. These are some really great tips. How do you manage up effectively? In other words, what are some actionable steps outside of what you've shared with us here that our listeners can take to gain new opportunities and accelerate in their careers? Yeah. So you want to figure out what kind of a boss you have. So pay attention to who that person is, their personality, and you're going to kind of adjust your strategies based on who they are and what resonates for them. So you're going to look at, you know, their communication style. You're going to look at their priorities. You're going to look at uh, their work style. Are they independent? Are they collaborative? Um, You're going to take a look at their time orientation. Are they fast paced or moderate paced or slow paced? And you're going to really pay attention. You're not going to resist who they are, but you're going to try to align your up with who they are. So you're going to pay attention to all this in your daily interactions. You're also going to look to see who gets along really well with your boss. And don't assume uh, that someone who's getting along well with your boss is a suck up. They may just have aligned their interactions, their interaction strategies with your boss in a way that works. Uh, but mostly what I want you to do is to go have a conversation with your boss. And we can, if, if you guys want to email me or, or shoot me out on LinkedIn or something, I can give you this great conversation template where you're going to ask your boss these questions. Questions like, how do you prefer to communicate? How do you like to keep updated on projects? How often do you want to meet as a one-on-one? How do you like your updates? You know, do you prefer a phone call or Zoom? What's your biggest priority right now? What are your lowest priorities? You don't have, I mean, figuring out who your boss is doesn't have to be a guessing game. You can go have the conversation. I often call it having the conversation of the, that I call the SOP of me, the standard operating procedure of me. And teams should be doing this on a regular basis. 
basis. Bosses should be having these conversations with you, by the way. But just because they're not doesn't mean you're powerless because you can go introduce this conversation. And the SOP of me is where everybody on the team just talks about like, what works for them? You know, what are their priorities? What are their preferences? What are their pet peeves? And we take a moment to really listen to about what works for our colleagues and our bosses. And we get an opportunity to share what works for us so that we can all sort of learn to practice the platinum rule. And Mary, I have to jump in. I've actually been working with a client of mine doing something very similar. We've called them user manuals, almost, you know, creating a user (laughs) manual about who you are and how you like to work. And I have to say that over the last couple of weeks since using them, you know, creating them, introducing them, walking everybody through them, we've seen a huge difference in communication. And it's gone across all levels, managing up, managing down, managing across. I have to say it's a fantastic tip. I'm so glad you mentioned that one. I love that. I love that so much for so many different reasons, because what happens when we don't talk about these things? So in real life, we make up stories about the other person, right? We make up stories based on the impact of their behavior without ever knowing what their real intention or motivations are. Like I am in real life, a big old introvert, right? So I'm not reaching out to my team very much. If I'm walking down the street, Stephanie, if I see you, even though I adore you, I'll probably cross over so I don't have to say hello. (laughs) Sure. I get it. I get get it. it. That's how I want to operate. So people don't know my preference. They'll just think I'm unfriendly. So I love that you are having people do user manuals because it just, I bet you see light bulbs going off in people's heads all day long. You do. It changes the conversation. It gets people to start to think not just about how they like to communicate, but how you're going to receive that communication. And the difference between those two can be really vast. That's what we've been experiencing. And it has been a lot of fun to discover that. I've also found that it has changed how people start to communicate. I've started to get emails or messages from people saying, I know that this is going to require some brainstorming. So I'm putting this in email for you instead of surprising me with a phone call, which is something I don't like. It really has changed behaviors and I find it's been so much more productive. So it's just amazing tip. I love that, Stephanie. And doesn't it feel good to really help a team? Oh, it does. It does. And it's such a simple thing, but can really help. And the other thing I like about that is it's sort of, I'm going to say force, but I'll use the word encourage. It also encourages all of us to take responsibility for... uh, for expressing to our colleagues what matters to us, right? Yes. Um, and also kind of gently forces you to become more self-aware, to be like, wow, okay. So if I'm going to tell you, Stephanie, like this is how I want to communicate, then it's really up to me to make sure that I honor my request to you, if that makes sense. Oh, it does. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. <laughs> and Mary, um, I want to do a shout out first for your book, because I know you're mentioning preferences. And I actually recommend your book. I do a, um, it's a personality type leadership course. And, and I love the four different personalities that you mentioned for bosses. Would you mind giving just a little sneak peek for our listeners on those? Oh, I love that. You know, and I love personality assessments because I think that they're a nice, they're a nice shorthand or a nice window to start to think about like what somebody's platinum rule might be. So in the book, I there it's very close to the disc. Uh, I talk about the advancer, which on the disc would be, you know, like uh the D, you know, the fast-paced, all task, let's get stuff done. You know, there's no crying in baseball kind of a boss, which <laughs> yeah. by the way, that's me. me and like too. I'm not gonna come across as warm and fuzzy. 
fuzzy, although I love you madly. And I'm going to walk into the room and say, where's that Penske report? And you're going to say to me, well, good morning to you too, right? <laughs> so you've got the advancer and how you're going to deal with that person. Then you have the energizer and the energizer is very much like the eye on the disc. And this is the fast paced, high energy, super creative, slightly impulsive personality. And this is the boss that likes to talk and they like to make changes. They like to make things happen fast. They like to fly by the seat of their pants. And with this kind of boss, you're going to need to like ground this boss a little bit. They hate the details, keep a big picture. So you're going to know how to deal with that boss. And then the harmonizer boss, which would be similar to the S on the desk. This is that quintessential nice boss. This is the boss who's who wants to be your friend, who is friendly, who's calm, who's organized, who's all about the team. There is no I in team. It is all about what's good for the team. They love consensus decision makers. And this could drive you crazy if you're a fast-paced person <laughs> yeah. working for someone who's so uh, you know, like nice, you know, and slow and 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 uh, nice and easy. And then, of course, there's the evaluator, which uh, is also the C, uh, close to the C in the disc. And this is that perfectionist, right? This is no, like they need to get everything right. They live for the details. They measure once, measure twice, measure a third time, and then maybe they think about cutting, but there's going to be a process and a protocol before you cut. You know, they're going to want to see the forest and the trees and then double check those trees. Um, and they're just going to be task all day long. And if anything's worth doing, it's worth doing right each and every time. And again, they may drive you crazy. Yes. So you got to know how to deal with that person. <laughs> yes. I love it. Oh, thank you so much. This is all so practical, Mary. Now, I'm sure there are times where we deal with some exceptions. What if you've tried everything and it simply does not work? Is it okay to quit? Yeah. So I love that because, you know, I think, you know, you have to know when to grit and then you have to know when to quit. Uh, so I don't recommend quitting at like the first sign of difficulty. Um, I really do encourage people to really try what they can to make their relationship work. Never give up an opportunity to learn from a difficult boss uh, because you can learn a lot from a difficult boss. Uh, so really do what you can. Try a couple strategies. Don't be one and done. But at some point, if the relationship doesn't work, it doesn't work. And that relationship is really important. Important. So it, there is no shame in quitting for a better opportunity. So don't stay so long with a boss that is just really difficult for you or never stay for a toxic boss. Uh, but it is okay to quit. And if you are going to quit, make sure you do it with a little class, a little dignity, and a lot of professionalism. Uh, because at some point, if that relationship just doesn't work for you, don't, don't leave yourself in a situation that isn't moving you forward and isn't moving the relationship forward. Put yourself to your next best use and find an opportunity where you you can be amazing and productive and positive, and you can build a great relationship. We are learning so much with you today, Mary. Thank you. Thank you. Now, do you think we could apply the concept of managing up in our personal lives as well? Absolutely. You know, one of the things that, um, and by the way, can, you can man, you can apply the concepts managing up to managing across and managing down uh, and managing out. So it really is all about uh, ha uh, creating adaptive, being adaptive in relationships. 
Uh, I probably get more cards and letters from people who are using these tips to manage their like significant others or their friends, because it's all the same thing. It's all about really figuring out how you can better communicate, better interact, better relate to people who are different than you. Um, yeah, I think one of the most fun things that I hear from are other managers. Because uh, I was a little worried at first when the book came out that managers would be like, rah, rah, rats and rats and rats, and I don't want people to manage up me. Uh, and a few <laughs> of them are. But mostly what I found is managers will take the course or read the book and they'll do uh, one of two things. They'll either uh, underline the book and hand it out to the people and say, here are the things you need to know about me. So <laughs> thanks, Mary, for making that easy for me. Or they'll start to think, dear goodness, like, am I am I a micromanager? Am, am I a nitpicker? Like, it makes them start to think, how easy or hard are they making it for their people to manage up to them? And that is what I love. If this can help any managers become better at managing, that's all I want. You know, and oftentimes people will say to me, well, you know, you make all the responsibility about the individual. Uh, and what I say to them is, it's, it's, what I say to them are two things. One, did you read the introduction? Uh, and two, it's not, that's not the intention. There are a million, gazillion, million, billion, trillion books on how to be a manager or how to be a leader. And yet, as you pointed out earlier, it's still one of the number one reasons why people leave organizations. So when I went to write this book, I wasn't going to write another management uh, you know, book because there's so many out there. Instead, I wanted to help empower the other side of that equation to really help empower the people who have managers and, 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 and to having a, creating a better workplace experience for them from where they sit. So I don't want anyone to ever think that your manager shouldn't be good at what they do. They should. But what if they're not good at it? then what are you going to do? I don't want to leave you hanging. So the whole idea of the book is to give you some strategies. So when you don't have the unicorn boss, you can still succeed. I love how empowering that is. I mean, there are so many people out there who could really benefit from that, first of all. But in a way, I think it does come full circle from where we started today. It kind of goes back into self-awareness and Absolutely. just how important that is really kind of on both sides of the equation. Self-awareness and taking responsibility for your career, for your career success and your workplace experience. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I have met a lot of career victims oh, yeah. uh, in my 20 years. And these are people that just complain about everything, point their fingers about what everybody else should be doing differently, but they never take responsibility to try something different themselves. And so I'm so glad you see this book as being empowering because that is really my deepest intention for the book, to empower people to become victims in their own career and not victims. Absolutely. No, that's that's great. I, and I love the concept of accountability and all of that too. You know, there are really so many roles that you have to play, but you have an active role in all of that's this. Right. That's oh, right. Gosh, that's wonderful. <laughs> well, I'm really sad that we're at the end of this part of our conversation, but really excited that we're not quite ready to let you go quite yet. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, yeah, it is that time. Um, at the end of every episode, we like to ask our guest five rapid fire style questions. Each question shouldn't take more than about 60 seconds to respond. So, what do you say? Are you ready for some rapid fire? Rutro, I'm ready. <laughs> We'll try to keep them easy, but you know, you, we've had plenty of people who've been like, wow, that requires a little thought. So we understand <laughs> even the easy ones can be a little tough sometimes, but well, good answers require thoughts. I'm not going to sure give you good answers. 
<laughs> We're not looking for good answers. We're just looking to have a little fun. So that's perfect. So your first rapid fire question today is, give us one book that all talent development professionals must read and why. All right. I'm going to give you one author because I can't possibly do one book. And I am going to say anything by Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, And here's why. First of all, love him. I have a scholar crush or girl crush on him, whatever you would call it. I think he's fabulous from the outliers to the tipping point to what the dog saw. And here's why. I find his writing very, well, just uh, engaging, but he also just lists so many great like studies uh, about human nature and, 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 and like human psychology and social psychology that I find I popping in all these studies constantly to my training. So I just think He's great for just giving a plethora of great ideas of studies I want to go look at or include in my training. I'm a sucker for a good study too. Right? So Me yeah, too. I'm, I am right there with you. Because our audiences <laughs> love that. Well, yeah. the study by UCLA and people are like, oh my God, tell me more. Well, credibility is everything, right? right? I love building that in. Oh, good <laughs> choice. Good choice. Thank you. All right. Your next question is give us one tool that you recently learned about and immediately started using. Okay, this is a really lame thing, but since we've all been virtual, I'm just collecting lots of virtual tools. And mm-hmm. one that my team and I are using all the time on Zoom or WebEx or any of the uh, the, the MOS teams is the chat cascade. So yeah. we will ask a question and we'll say, okay, everybody, answer this question. How fabulous is managing up? Don't answer it. Put it in the <laughs> chat box. And when I count to five and say five, then you press send. And then we do that one, two, three, four, five, send. And then you get a whole cascade of people's chats. And it's super fun and funny. And it's, yeah, that's my chat cascade. And it kind of adds a new level of interaction and engagement to it too, doesn't it? It makes it fun. It makes it fun. It gives a little like, what's going to come up next? Like, what are people going to say? And it's also really good. It's also really good, by the way, uh, if you if you don't want people to be influenced by other people's answers. Yes. Um, so yeah, a fun thing. Chat cascade, try it, people. Super easy. Yeah, adding that to my toolbox. That's a great one. All right, next up. What is the best piece of talent development or even career-related advice that you've ever been given? I'm going to do a talent development one. And this is one that took me a long time to get. So on the Myers-Briggs, I'm an INTJ. So I love the theory all day long, like theory, theory, theory. And when I first started being a trainer, I would deliver these great theories to people. And they'd say to me afterwards, you have a but what do I do with that? And I'm like, what do you mean? What do you do with it? Like, I just get like, I just told you what to do with it. So I think the big tip for those kind of in the training or in the facilitation realm is to really make sure that when you are doing a training, people want practical tips and tools. Don't think that things that you think are obvious are obvious to the learner. They may not be. And so now what I love, like the mo- the biggest compliments I get from my training or my book is, oh my gosh, you have so many practical tools. And I think, honey, you have no idea how long it took me <laughs> to be able to get to that point where I could speak the practical language. <laughs> oh, so true. I mean, there's a lot of process that goes into figuring a few things out like that. That is right? great. All right. What is one thing that you are excited about that's coming up either later this year or even into 2022? 
being in person with people again. <laughs> I've got I've got an onstage gig in September. I can't wait for it. Like I, even though I'm an introvert, I'm a big old ham. So yep. being on a stage again, being in the room with people when I am training or facilitating, uh, you know, which is so funny. My husband laughs at me because he's like, but you always, you hate people. I'm like, yeah, but I, I like to be in front of them. I like to like ed- edutain them. Yeah. Uh, so I'm very excited about uh, getting, getting the show back on the road. Oh my God, you're speaking my language right now. (laughs) I am right there with you. All right, we have one last rapid fire question for you, and it's this. What is the one thing within our talent development industry that you are deeply grateful for right now? (laughs) The Zoom filter. (laughs) For those of you who don't, don't know on Zoom, you can use a little filter that glosses all the imperfections off of your face. I am so grateful for that. I mean, and there are t- days where I'll have to go from Zoom to like WebEx and I'll be like, dear God, who's that hag looking back at me? I look so fabulous on Zoom five minutes ago. So the Zoom filter I have been, thank you, Zoom. I've been deeply grateful for Oh man, that is so relatable <laughs> in so many ways. They'll even add makeup to you now, which for I know. me, I mean, I have to tell you, it was a game changer when that happened. Absolutely. Because right. now, like if you're doing a long training, your lips kind of get dry from talking. Like they now do. the lipstick that, that you can put on there. And I have found the perfect shade for me on the Zoom, yes. on the Zoom lens. So yeah. I've gone you know. so far as to try to find it at the store. So don't worry, you're you're not alone. In fact, you may be doing better than me. <laughs> Zoom. Zoom might actually come out with their own brand of lipstick. That would be hilarious. They if they do. I want them to know they heard it from you first. Absolutely. If Zoom is listening, they have heard it on our podcast first. Absolutely right. We want to cut. <laughs> Mary, this has been so fun. And we're so happy that you joined us today to share your wisdom with our listeners. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Ladies, anytime. Uh, happy, happy almost end of pandemic. And I hope that someday <laughs> we can see each other in person soon. Yes. Yes. And thank you to my co-host as well. It's been fun. Yeah, Mary, your energy and enthusiasm for this is contagious. Thank you so much for (laughs) being here. Many thanks to our community for listening. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Are you looking for new opportunities in the talent development field? Then go to dcatd.org forward slash jobs. Love this episode? Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and provide a review. 